joined by Christiana Balogan, Kanyisola Adefemiwa, and Sadia Kabea, and they are queens from Wasp Rugby Team. And I'm joined by Lamise Youssef, my amazing new co-host. Hi. Hi! I'm Christiana. I'm 23 years old, a recent graduate from the University of Kent, and I play loose five forward. Um, and I've played at WASP for, this is my fourth season now. I started my rugby career, you could say, at a local, at a local club, High Wycombe Rugby Club. And I played uh-huh. there for two seasons before moving to Wasps. I went to, I went to Wasps as an eight because I loved it. I used to play East London and I loved it there. But then Wasps were like, nope, you chunky girl, prop life. <laughs> so yeah, so I moved to the front. And uh, yeah, so um, I'm in the front row. And I love it because you can't really play. Well, as, as you said that before, but now, now the game has kind of changed. And we're lucky enough to play. Um, I used to say you can't play without front five without the front row just because you know you need you need a scrum but nowadays it's um choppy 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 i'm sadia i'm 18 i've been at was my first season at was i moved here over lockdown um previously i was at richmond unfortunately he got dropped from the league but yeah i've been playing for like five years now so um actual five years not canny five years (laughs) that's how long i've been playing but yeah, that's me. Play back back row anywhere. Well, I say anywhere. Six or seven. Number eight. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm a challenge now. I'm just a back row player. Oh, wow. We're all forwards. I love it. Yeah. Do you know what I've noticed doing this podcast is that every girl that I've... Not every girl. Most girls have been forwards. All the black girls that I've spoken to. Is there a correlation? Is there a conspiracy? Yeah, God, I need to like look through and think if that's actually true. But I do think most of the people that I've interviewed have been forwards, which is really interesting. Um, so, how did you guys get into rugby, Sadia? I got into rugby in secondary school. So I was I've always been sporty. I did athletics, um, typical power um, events. So all the field events, shot put hammer, and I did gymnastics. And then one day in school, my teacher just said, you know what, if you come with me, took me to a random rugby game. Didn't know any rules, but apparently I enjoyed hitting people. So from, <laughs> so from then I just, you know, carried on playing. Um, went, like started working my way up through the ranks, but I think I just carried on playing because I really enjoyed it and just happened to, you know, move up. But yeah, I just started, I hadn't, thought about it any time before secondary school until they brought me to that game um but yeah that's how I started playing right now rugby's my full, full time I'm I just finished um sixth form so I'm taking my gap year my plan was to like go abroad but you know mm. things happened <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, I moved to us but apart from that I'm just just at home at the moment um really just chilling I'm uh I come to like training and everyone's talking about their jobs and I'm like yeah I've been at home all day <laughs> but, yeah, that's all right. I'm just yeah chilling at the moment in my gap year that sounds like the dreamiest gap year just playing yeah. rugby until I got home that's what I wish I did can you solo how did you get into rugby it was the same actually secondary school actually funny enough I heard about it in primary school I heard about rugby and they came to our school and they were all like, you know, playing rugby. But my auntie was like, nope, 
rugby nope never um <laughs> so yeah like in, uh, ended up playing in school in secondary school i think we had one teacher that was advocating for the girls to play to be able to play rugby and we must we got to, we put a, the football team together and we played in the under 18s kent cup thing we won i'm in a newspaper somewhere somewhere in the world i'm in a newspaper <laughs> um yeah so it started there and then we completely stopped and then went back to, went to uni and I went the wrong day. For, I went. I went to football training. Ended up at rugby. I was like, you know what? I'm actually. I'm actually good at this. So then I stuck to rugby ever since. So, so yeah, that's um, kind of how I got into rugby. And yeah, I haven't looked back because rugby's great. I started rugby at sixth form. I studied A level PE in my first year of sixth form, and we initially we learned about the history of sport. And one of the sports we had to cover was rugby union and. I'd never heard about rugby before. Um, I moved to this secondary school when I was about 15, 16. It was during a PE session. All of the girls sort of stayed inside, didn't want to do the sport. So I was like, okay, I'll go outside and play with the boys and they happened to be playing rugby. So I was like, okay, this is cool, running around, enjoying it. And one of the guys said, oh, maybe you should try doing it outside of school. And I was like, hmm, okay, maybe I would because part of the A-level course, you had to pick a sport that you enjoyed enough to play outside of school. And I really hated netball. I was like, I'm not doing this outside of school. There's no <laughs> way I'm doing it. So I picked up rugby because I had nothing else to do. And I was like, you know what? I have to try it and I have to do it regardless. Even if I don't like it, I have to do it because I needed something to be moderated in. Um, and yeah, I ended up enjoying it. So, and then, yeah, I stayed with it ever since. Where did you guys grow up in London? Because it's, I'm surprised to like hear that you guys all did rugby in school. Because when I was growing up, like, I didn't think rugby existed for me. I thought it was just for white guys or like posh white guys. So I'm really shocked to hear that you guys did it growing up. Did you guys grow up like around London? So I grew up in London and I moved out of London when I was about 16 and I moved to Buckinghamshire. And I went to school in a just very opposite to where I grew up in. It was very affluent, very posh, very rich. And I guess that's why people played rugby at school. But when I was in that first year of A-level, learning about the history of sport, I learned that rugby was played by white public schoolboys. Mm. And being a black working class girl playing rugby was like how, like how is this even a thing um so yeah that's that's how rugby came at me wow uh i i um grew up live in south london i live in crystal palace so um yeah it's kind of strange how rugby came about like in my area but um the coaches at my school were rugby players so i had brian clear and poppy clear at my school um, so they were very like uh, very much the forefront of making our uh, academy into a rugby academy. So that's why um, I started playing rugby because I had those two there to like encourage me um, to get into the sport. But even before we had the, the girls started playing, my um, sixth was already a rugby academy. So I'd already like heard about it and like seen the boys team start playing. And as like Chris said, like learning about it, that um, rugby was like a you know, white middle class boys sport. Our like rugby team was very much the opposite. Like all black boys 
and then one white boy who was a nine, you know, the smallest person on the team. <laughs> so it's so funny, like, coming up against other teams, like, in the league um, and seeing the contrast. But, yeah, that's how, that's how um, I've been playing rugby because my school was a rugby academy, so. I grew up in uh, Kent in Erith, so um, I wouldn't say it was posh, but let's say in my school there was about a lot, there was, a, there was let's say, 200 people in my year. And there was about three black people in my year. So like everyone else, yeah, everyone, majority of people were white. So um, it was just, a, it was like kind of adapting into the kind of culture. Like I was born in Lagos in Nigeria, but I came here when I was young. So I pretty much, I lived in, you know, Lewisham and it was all cool. And then my mum decided, oh, let's move to Erif away, away from everything we know and just, kind of trees and woods and stuff but um I don't like it was very random um getting into rugby but like I said they randomly came to our school I think they were just trying to they realized that they had to kind of open up the sport a bit more sometime in some way or the other and whether it was just showing up to schools and giving people leaflets that was how they kind of um got their message out but I just literally it was just that one sport teacher that was like girls can do all sports all sports and she was one that kind of just fought for us to be able to do it, even if it was tag. And yeah, I think she was a bit controversial, but you know, if, if it wasn't for her, I guess I wouldn't have started rugby. How, when you guys first started playing rugby and you joined these clubs like at the very, very beginning, how did that make you feel? Was it, did it click instantly? Were you just like, oh my God, this is the place I'm supposed to be? Or did you really have to work to enjoy it, commit to it? I think it was definitely was a thing where I had to like definitely get used to it and get into it. Um, uh, it was my first team sport that I had like started taking seriously. Um, and I think definitely from when I started to where I am now, I've definitely changed my mentality. Been like, there's no I in team. I had to learn that the hard way when I first started <laughs> secondary school. Um, but I was kind of like um, very much encouraged to go outside of school and find a new team to start playing with and my closest team um they had just started a girls a girls team so there was about six of us um so like coming to training like every week and having like six players in the team not having any games um I think I was there for like two years and I didn't have any games but obviously um the fact that I still stayed there for two years on a game showed that I was really enjoying myself but it was just having yeah. to like uh, like find my love for it at first and then obviously being in that situation and that quite it helped because I had to love it otherwise yeah. I wasn't going to stay in the sport um, but after those two years and once I moved and then like really began to like get into the sport that's when I could mm -hmm. really uh, like try and develop but definitely it was a, a slow process but I'm happy it mm -hmm. went the way that I did. I'm trying to think about my first training session um, but I just remembered that nobody looked like me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a local club and there were people that were lots of different ages. There were a lot of older women. And when I started, I was about 18. Um, and there weren't a lot of other girls that were my age or in that same sort of group. So I was thinking, oh, this is a little bit strange. I'm not playing sport like how I usually was with people that were in my age group, let alone people that were black or of color mm. um so yeah it was a little bit strange to start off with and definitely took me a while to get used to it and 
enjoy it. Um, I had no choice <laughs> at the end of the day. I needed something to be moderated in. And that's, that's the sport that I picked. And that's what I had to stick with, at least for that year. Um, and afterwards, I just ended up really enjoying it. Um, I enjoyed going to the training sessions. And yeah, it felt, it felt good playing and training. And we didn't have a lot of games, but... Yeah, it was good. And I liked the team environment and I liked how welcoming everybody was. And yeah, it was it was cool. I don't really have anything like crappy to say about my experience, apart from the fact that, yeah, it was it was very welcoming. It was very fun. But definitely as as soon as I got there, the first thing that popped up into my mind was like, where the hell are all the other black people at? Like, what's, go- what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, got, I got used to it. I, I lived at the time I lived in an area where there wasn't that many black people anyway so it was kind of mm. it was kind of like what was I expecting especially a sport that I've learned before that it's played by white rich boys and to even see that there are women there is mm. it in in itself it's like oh okay that's sort of defying the odds if that makes sense so yeah, yeah. no I get that it's like I had the same issues as Sadia had with like trying to get people to come so we can actually play games and survive and I feel like that was a struggle in itself I couldn't even begin to think about where I was going to find black women (laughs) (laughs) I just needed women (laughs) yeah exactly yeah I think um I was kind of blessed with uh with how I kind of got into it because when I got into uni I kind of had people that were like you know, they see like a strong black woman, they're like, oh, come, come, yeah, you can hit people. Yeah, why not, why not? <laughs> they kind of tried to keep you involved and get people along. And like it was, so at the time I played for East London Uni, but we didn't have, um, the, there was an East London Rugby Club right next to where we trained, but they didn't have women yeah. at all. So um, some of the girls I didn't meet in uni, they were kind of like, we were kind of like, okay, actually. And there was another, there was this guy and he was like, we can make a, a women's team out out of it and you know we can start one and it was this weird complicated process and you had all these you know rich people rich uh like gym owners trying to take over and and it was literally just because you know east london east london is diverse so it was just all these like rich people trying to come in and say oh yeah you you get sponsored by this sponsored by that and yes it 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 did give us a, a little boost i got to go to penny hill uh train with um i've got this guy's name um, but yeah, we got I got to play with like cool um, uh, old um, English players, and so those I kind of feel blessed and have an opportunity. And then we managed to get rid of the the rich people that were trying to mess things up for us. And we did <laughs> this um, women's team um, at East London Rugby Club, and yeah, we didn't have many games and stuff, but we were able mm. to get people from different unis. So it was black people, white Indians, white like everyone. So it was great. Um, yeah. And from then it kind of went up and but everybody else there was kind of chill and it was like oh let's party on Saturday and play on Sunday and I was a bit like but I actually like it and I'm actually good at it so maybe <laughs> but, um, there was other people there that kind of pushed me to um, try and uh, go and be better at it and we luckily we had those those of uh, England player Fiona Pocock um, she, yeah I think she'd hurt her knees so many times and she managed to someone managed to uh, uh, drag her down to our club and she coached us for a year and like we wow. be, yeah and we became like this team we're like yeah we're unbeaten but you know <laughs> it was like Hackney was our rivals and mm. uh, yeah so was, <laughs> I was um, just thinking that I was like, yeah, like and yeah <laughs> like you know 
it got some serious conversation, but um, yeah, it was cool to see, you know, all sorts mm. of people uh, getting a chance to play with people. And then I moved to Wasp, and then yeah, I fractured my ankle in the first season, but um, oh, I know I still kept on going and kept my head down. But yeah, I was definitely where I started at East London really, really helped me. Um, so I want to ask: Has rugby always been a welcoming space for you? Like, have you always felt comfortable? where you're at especially where now you're playing at like a higher level so you're maybe surrounded by people that maybe don't look look like you as much and are from like really like diverse backgrounds has it always felt welcoming you christiana when i moved to wash i'd say that there was well there was no black people when i played at high wickham and now there's a range of black people and people of color so you know, there is this sense of sisterhood that's there anyway with people that look like you. And, you know, you, when, I first, when I first joined the club, I remember Kani actually being there. Um, and I remember Kani coming up to, to, up to me and, like, starting conversation. It's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. You know, there, I don't need to feel a type of way because I know there's somebody there that looks like me and there's somebody there that's getting on very well. So I don't need to feel, like, scared in that sort of sense. And even past my skin colour, there's people that are welcoming in different types of ways. So there's people that are like me in terms of personality and people that want to get to know me outside of rugby as well. So I'll always say that rugby has been welcome, welcoming of my whole self. Um, there was, there's people that are lots of different ages. It was the first rugby club that I went, well, I've only ever played at two rugby clubs, but it was the first place that I went to where there were people that were my age as well. Um, there were people that were my skin colour. There were people that also went to university. There are people that also grew up in South London. You know what I mean? So there's different parts of me were represented in different aspects all throughout the team. So I could embra embrace my whole me without feeling like I have to hold back too much or feel like yeah, just feel really scared into in finding myself in this space. It took a little bit, or it took a little while to come out of my shell. Kanye can definitely say that. <laughs> um, but it it feels good to be part of wasps. Um, wasps really pride themselves in their culture and the family culture, and having people around you that get you, the whole you is is welcoming enough for me when i when i moved to wasp it definitely was a little bit different it wasn't it was there was less people um like me um and as much as i you know i, I love to smile and laugh i'm very i was very like timid and in my own way and i i just kind of like oh this, like you're gonna be this okay cool you're gonna do that okay cool like i never really said said much um but people were welcoming and obviously as as per usual in life you go to places where people have their own little their own little um corners and they have their people and you know it's kind of like i'm coming into a new space and they're also welcoming a new person so i never felt out of place but at the same time before like chris would join there wasn't really any there wasn't at wasp it was it was just mainly all white people and but because I, I grew up around white people, so I was, I kind of just knew what to do to kind of just blend in and just get on with what I needed to do. Um, but then 
like I said, you know, Chris came along and then it was, I don't think it was until recently where we had, there was a group of us and we really got, and I was like, oh yeah, snap, I got my people. So it was, it was, <laughs> like, so it, was it was never like people weren't welcoming, but it was always like people kind of had their own little groups. And then it was, it was so nice to actually say, wow, okay, now I have my little group. Yes, I get on with everyone and we do have that family culture, but you know, you can say you understand someone, but unless someone comes from where you come from, they, they try to understand, but they can't really, you know, as a, as a whole. So um, I think it has, it has been welcoming. And yes, at times it's had its difficulty, but it's about learning and, you know, and I just tend to have that mentality of looking at the bigger picture. And if there isn't a group of people like me, I'll be the first one to start it. And then we can build and go from there. So. I've never been, well, within rugby, I've never been, like, so aware of, like, uh, looking different, well, you know, my skin colour being different to everyone else's. I think that's mainly because um, within playing rugby, I've been surrounded by black people all the time, because, like, all, all I played was at school, and then in South London, the majority of the team was black. It was only when I've, like, moved up, you know, in the ranks or whatever, like, gone through Prem, County, whatever, where I have realised, oh. Yeah, maybe I do look a bit different. Well, we've been like um, realizing, you know, just like people's different backgrounds, um, and the way they've been brought up, how it's way different uh, compared to me. Um, I think I've come, especially now with a lockdown, with all the Black Lives Matter thing, and that is where I've realized definitely, okay, like there is differences here that need to be addressed, but it's definitely being. Um, being addressed in the right way, like I'm feeling comfortable enough to talk about um, what's, what's going on and everything. And I think when I came, so my previous club, uh, when everything happened in lockdown, they hadn't, they didn't make a, there was nothing spoken about with Black Lives Matter. And then I moved to Wasps, and as soon as I went there, um, like the head coach messaged me and said, "Yeah, we're going to have a, a Zoom call talking about Black Lives Matter. I want you to like come on the call and meet the girls." And I was thinking oh my gosh, like I found people, I found my people, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, this is new, I was like, this is very new, um, you know, so as soon as I came into Wasp and I had that um, Zoom call, you could definitely see that like, the culture of the club is amazing, you know, everyone is like willing to learn and um, willing to listen as well, and I felt uh, comfortable straight away to like be able to share my points, point of views and everything like that as well, so I think um from going to from coming from not really being aware of my skin color uh, in a rugby environment and then being thrown into an uh, environment where i'm like wow this is very different i think what i have been like so great in being able to uh create a platform and uh, give all of us i think we can all say a voice where we feel mm. uh, comfortable enough to be able to speak about the issues that are going on and for the girls to listen as well it's been great so I love this. this like, what sounds amazing. If I was younger, <laughs> it, honestly, if I was younger, I'd be a wasp. Like, mm. head, probably not, but I'm too lazy. Yeah. But it's, okay. what sounds so You've good. still got time. Oh, got time. <laughs> like, age wise, maybe my body is no, my body is no. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't played this season and I'm already like injured from what I do not know. Like, I can't tell you. <laughs> So I think my rugby career is over as quickly as it started, but it's fine. <laughs> I made friends in a podcast. It's fine. It's great having these girls around, you know what I mean? So even if you're 
feeling a little bit I don't know like let's say something's happened and you know you've got girls there that you relate to and that Mm. listen to you and understand you because Sadia grew up in South London I grew up in South London I'm Nigerian Kani's Nigerian you know I mean so Mm. there is that sisterhood and togetherness and we will naturally gravitate towards each other for that reason so Mm. that's where I feel like different aspects of myself are embraced throughout the club because Sadia is there, mm-hmm. Kani's there, and there there's a lot of other people that are there that that help me bring out the true me. So when mm-hmm. I first joined WAS and I saw that Kani was there, and then she's Nigerian as well, a lot of the stuff that we both go through we can relate that other yeah. people might not be able to relate to. So it's nice to have that sort of sister in rugby if that makes sense so Mm. yeah I always thought that was very important and it was refreshing to experience that when I moved to this club so do you guys feel that you have had any pressure put on yourself personally to promote uh, awareness of black issues within the club yeah or to like the fans that have been coming and watching games (laughs) and stuff Okay, we'll start with Kanitola. Off you go. <laughs> I, I think, like, um, you know, Sadi was talking about the Zoom call and mm. so on, and you kind of feel that you, you share your story. For example, I gave an example, was about my name, right? So ever since I've known, everyone's called me Kani, but that's like remotely close to my name. It doesn't, mm. it means nothing. And my real name is something amazing, but I've always, like I said, I tried to fit, oh, let me fit in and let me just kind of just give the name, whatever's suitable. So I gave that example in the Zoom call and the realisation that actually your name is a powerful thing and if someone cannot make that effort to learn and to address you as you should then, you know, keep on moving. And, um, you know, I always, like, till now, you know, I still have people in the club that tell me, like, you know, like, I, I need you to tell me this to reassure me. It's like, I'm not here to re- reassure you to make you feel okay or make you feel better about the situation. It's about wanting to learn things and it's about, you know, being more be more open to that okay actually let me go out of my way to just how we how we learn rugby moves how we watch matches mm. it's five minute clip on youtube it's a uh, getting a recommendation from a friend it's not me that's gonna say something to make you feel better because you don't understand you know what's happening and i'm not gonna say i know everything that's going on and i know every and i'm you know well um educated and all but i'm learning as well so imagine mm. like I'm going through something, I'm learning, and then you want me to teach you to make you feel better. And it, it, it kind of doesn't work that way because that you, can, you find the people that are genuine and want to learn. And then you yeah. find people that just want to kind of just piggyback just to make them feel comfortable about what they say or what they do. And it's like, that's not really, that's not how it should be. And so you want to educate and you want to you teach. And I, I always want to teach and never put anyone down in any way. But at the same time, that secretly i feel that pressure that oh i have to say this to them and say this to them but then in the in the bigger picture it's like it's not actually my my job to but when i can action wise when i can i'll say one line i'll tell you something but i have that ideal that you know i am my i am my brother's keeper and i don't know if it's my faith but i've always been a person that's like okay if i can teach that person i will it may not be my job and responsibility, but what I can, I plant the seed and 
you know someone else can water it so that's kind of how I look at it so yeah because it is a huge burden there's so much like where do we even begin to have that discussion with people and I think giving them that little thing to go home with and just be like next time yeah ask me how to pronounce my name Mm. and you've already ticked a box with the next person that you meet so that's that's resonated with somebody somewhere of course how about you Christiana um I think the pressure is always there um even when one person or a bunch of people ask you a question even the zoom call the spotlight's on you and it's like all these eyes staring at you (laughs) waiting for you to say something waiting for you to teach them as if you're a I don't know a secondary school teacher in a class with 30 kids and 60 eyes looking back at you it's 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 scary when with all due respect we didn't sign up to teach if that makes sense um but I don't know the learning has to start from somewhere and what I find easy is there's lots of platforms and there's lots of resources and books and podcasts and spoken word things that people can listen to um so I always tend to give people the benefit of a doubt where it's like how do you even what's the first question to ask if you want to learn about something like if somebody wants to wants to come to you and learn about Black Lives Matter or race or the history of black people in Britain what is even the first person the first question to ask so what I prefer to do is share those resources share those books and podcasts and stuff so after listening or watching whatever you've decided to listen or watch to that's when the questions can formulate from there and that's when you can go to beyond me because I don't have all the knowledge in the world to then find out what you want to find out from what you've just listened or or watched um so yeah I think there is a lot of pressure but I think it's important for us to let people know that we have boundaries um and yeah I think I think the boundaries have to we have to be comfortable enough to let them be known to those people and it's like you can't sort of bombard me with all these questions and stuff that you may have because sometimes even when people might have a question it might be offensive and then with the question that they want to ask it's my feelings that are at the expense of whatever question they wanted to ask so now I'm upset Mm. (laughs) you wanted to know something about whatever it was and we have to now start from the bottom in me teaching you and Mm. etc etc so yeah it is a burden it feels like there's a heavy backpack on my shoulder sometimes um and it's still I'm still trying to navigate myself in that space um but yeah my my rugby girls are here to help me with that and to sort of try and take the pressure off of all of our heads if that makes sense so um yeah I think people are willing to learn though and people mean more good um but yeah still trying to navigate myself around that space and yeah it's nice to be surrounded by everybody though because everyone yeah, has their different limits as well yeah. so if one of you yeah, just like exactly. I can't I cannot deal the other one can just tap in yeah and it's a thing where like I if somebody I don't know if somebody says something or someone has a question I may respond differently to how 
can he respond or how Saudi responds and yeah every you're not you're not going to get the same response from every black person you ask a certain question to or let's mm-hmm. say for example if there's a microaggression let's say for example Kani's name if she doesn't like her name being and I'm calling her Kani now apologies but <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been calling you Kani now, now yeah <laughs> but if if Kani's saying pronounce my name properly my full name properly then that's it that's mm. that's how it should be but if somebody else that has that sort of name would prefer it to be shortened you have to take that responsibility upon yourself to pronounce Kanye's name properly and just because the next person doesn't mind if you shorten their name doesn't mean that you know what I mean they haven't both responded to you in the same way about something that's mm. the same yeah. If, does that make sense? I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, it's just about being open to learning that, and it's like, okay, now Kani has to teach this person mm. about why it's a micro that they've mispronounced her name or refused to learn how to pronounce her name because this black's okay with them shortening their name. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we have to teach. The small stuff, the big stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're not on our own when we go through that. No. Yeah, so. That's important. Do you think rugby is going to become more diverse? As I think, Wasps is quite unique for a team in England to have like as diverse of a team as you do. Um, the, like a lot of other teams in England, though, probably aren't the same. Do you think there's opportunity for rugby to become more diverse? I think there is. I think as a lot as per a lot of things it's like where you are where you grow up um which area you're in. But obviously you can see the you know the the whole um is it r- rugby like rugby ready to keep people going um mm-hmm. those of the inner warrior i was i was able to be part of the inner warrior thing and it was just trying to go to areas where people have never really heard heard of rugby i think mm-hmm. it's definitely there's more of a chance to uh, for it to be more diverse but at the same time, there's still those kind of roadblocks. They're still kind of like, you may be good, but if they see a counterpart that isn't black or isn't, they'll be like, okay, actually, well, let's, unfortunately, it's just a prejudice that's just there. It, it just happens, you know, there's no shying away from it, you know, call a spade a spade, you, it is what it is. You know, there's always definitely a chance for it to be more diverse, but there's still those roadblocks in the kind of the higher um, positions and higher, institutions and stuff but you see people really people are breaking through and it's about doing more things like this and having a podcast and different people can hear about it and people learn about it and it's like you know actually let me try that and I can try it and if people if people whether from the smallest um club to the biggest club and there's people that like me on there of course why can't I do it so I think there's definitely a chance it's about each and every one of us keep taking the steps to Sadia what do you think yeah, I think I agree with Kenny there. Um, I think we're seeing it uh, slightly more like, um, you know, with Shauna Brown, uh, there's what, three? Shauna Brown, Tash Harper, Amelia Harper, you know, that's three mixed race girls, black girls in the um, England squad at the moment, which is amazing to see, you know. Mm-hmm. Previously, I've only seen Maggie Alfonsi in the team and she was like a, like a huge figure like uh, um, in the team. And then having like three more girls coming through the ranks, and then seeing someone who looks like me in the team and thinking, yeah, 
like I can I can be there and I think it's like a really good step in the right direction um but I think it's yeah um as you do go up the ranks that's when it becomes less diverse and I think there needs to be more of a focus on like the grassroots um rugby and getting like um people of color black girls involved um from then from young ages so like I see tons of like school teams where there, there's tons of black girls in there, but they're too scared to go and go to a team outside of school because there's no one who looks like them or they don't feel like they're welcome there. I feel like there should be like a bigger um, focus on getting them girls involved. Cause I think there's a bit of a misconception when we say we want rugby to be more diverse. They think we want, we want like just them to pick up the, the like nearest black girl they see and put them into the England squad. It's not that. <laughs> it's that <laughs> there is tons of potential for the girls there, but just them having that extra support to bring them up and for them to feel comfortable to work themselves through the ranks because, you know, there's tons of talent in the um, leagues. It's just, you know, getting them through the ranks to get there. But I think definitely taking the right steps, uh, good steps in the right direction, but just needing that, like, uh, extra shove the extra initiative from everyone not just us as a whole um i think our potential as a black community within rugby is yet to be unlocked um in all aspects of rugby rugby playing rugby coaching directors of rugby um board members in the rugby union i think a lot of what potentially makes people scared to start in whatever position is um visibility of black people um if you don't see somebody that looks like you you're less inclined to want to try and push for that position so i think even us being here and being visible is part of our jobs sort of done if that makes sense um and black girls can see oh yeah there are there are black players and black people that are playing in the highest domestic league in the country um so why can't they if that makes sense and it it comes from all all levels of being involved in rugby like i said coaching and directors of rugby and and board board members where these decisions can be made and yeah i think it's just about paving the way for more black people and more people of color to come through and start being more involved in the sport um, it's come a long way, to be honest. So I think there is an opportunity for rugby to be even more diverse than it is now. I would really like to know, um, because uh, Sadia, you live in Crystal Palace now, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that's a trek to get to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it made me think, um, why did you guys choose Wasps? What, what sold it for you? Um, we'll start with Sadia. Um, yeah, it's not, <laughs> it takes me about an hour 15, it's not too bad, I think oh, I'm okay. used to travelling now being in London anyway, so I'm used to getting on the tube, getting on the train, everywhere I go, um, mm-hmm. but I think there's only, well, now there's only three London teams in um, the Prem, what really drew, drew me to us was definitely their, their culture and, you know, they have some really talented players there as well that, um, I knew I'd be able to learn from and you know being um young is the perfect opportunity to be able to like latch on to someone who's older than me more experienced and you know really be able to like watch them play and um 
and also be able to get a bit of game time under, under my belt. And I think I've been really lucky so far in the season to be able to play um, all the games we've played so far. And um, Lucky? She's talented, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think it definitely was the best choice for me, and I'm really enjoying it, and it's paying off. And I'm really glad that I made the the move to us. So when I played at East London, there was one there was one lady that we used to call her Crazy Joe, and she was this blonde lady. She was honestly, she would just hit everyone, and she was she'd always get yellow card every game. It was too high. It was too high. But yeah, like yeah. She, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and she was that one, and um, she was like, oh, come down, can you come? I was like, oh no, I'm good, I've got my people here, I'm all right. She's like, no, come, you're good. So I, that's what convinced me to go down, and it is a long journey, I'm not going to lie, it's, mm. and I always say, it's not just, you know, an hour and a bit, training is the almost two-hour journey to get there, the two-hour training, it's almost two hours to get home, so it is a whole load of time, but mm. when you... It's like, a, it's like a lot of things. When you have a passion for it and when you love it, you kind of just, the travel doesn't, it, it, it's bigger, like it's, it becomes a less, less of a thing. And so I obviously I broke my ankle and I was a bit like, well, is it really worth it going all this mm-hmm. way? But then I just, I just loved, I just loved it so much. Like, like I couldn't explain to anyone how much passion I have for it. So a, an hour and a bit on a train, nothing it meant nothing to me yeah so that's why i just and i'm so used to i've done it for so long well i was introduced to was from a girl that was training at high wickham rugby club because we lived about five minutes away from each other um she started her first senior season at was and she was like oh come like we need more players um and i was like "Mm, no i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay here like i know here um and i'm happy being a big fish in a small pond sort of thing mm-hmm. um and I don't th- I didn't think at the time I was ready to come out of my comfort zone but afterwards I was like you know what let me just bite the bullet and and do it how how crazy could it be the worst that's going to happen is that I'm not going to enjoy it and I'm going to go back to the club that I was at before um mm-hmm. and I know somebody that was at the club anyway so if I needed someone to sort of fall back on and she was there um and yeah I went there like I was saying earlier, it took me a while to sort of settle into it. But then I realised that, okay, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like my position changed um, and I was willing to learn and I'm still willing to learn. Um, I am almost back from injury. It's been 10 weeks this week. And uh... I think I've been to almost every single training session still and everything that I've been able to do has been very limited but I'm really up for learning still um regardless of what my limitations are physically um I'm learning in a different way so like Kani said the passion and the love for it will always come first um the journey's not too bad it's like 45 minutes on the mm. train on a good day on the way back however it's a different story um <laughs> and sometimes yeah sometimes I get home at like 10 30 11 o'clock at night but you're used to it now it's not it's like honey said it's one of those things that the travel's not even a thing um and that's that's a compromise you make because you love the sport so much where do you see yourself in 10 years time christiana hopefully still playing rugby um (laughs) yeah i i i've always said that i can't imagine myself playing at another club 
apart from wasps. And to be honest, part of it was a cop-out reason. I can't, put, I don't think I can be bothered to settle into another club where I've, 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 I've settled here now. So I'm fine for it not to change. Um, so yeah, as long as, you know, my location stays the same and when finding a job, things stay in the same sort of area. I don't see a reason to leave the club that I enjoy playing rugby at. Um, so yeah, I'd, in 10 years, I'd, how old would I be? Ugh. 33. I'd still like to be playing at 33 <laughs> because at the club right now, there have been girls that have surpassed 33 years of age and they're, they're still moving strong. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to be in that position in 10 years for sure. Zadia. Um, yeah, I think the same on the Are we 28? Yeah. Um, but definitely, I don't see my rugby time coming <laughs> coming to an end any any time soon. Um, I think I'm quite a, I'm quite a go with the flow type person, especially when it comes to rugby. I'm not like a. I think because I'm young, everyone's like, "Oh, do you want to play for England? Are you going to get some cash? Do you want to go and play for the Red Roses?" But I'm just like, I'm very very happy like. Um, where I am right now like, I just love playing rugby so if I happen to end up with a with a shirt that would be amazing <laughs> but, <laughs> but really going um, right now I've still got still got uni to go to so that's going to be a new chapter if I decide to move outside of London and then go to a, uh, a uni where a rugby club has joined so like Loughborough or something that will be another chapter to see what happens there will be Good, but yeah, in 10 years, I still hope to be playing rugby. Um, got my degree by then. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that's what I hope to be. I wish, uh, I wish I would still be playing rugby, but um, I've been doing something. I think I've been doing, I will definitely um, stay involved in rugby, but I think there was a lot of time I spent doing rugby stuff and rugby this and rugby that and like, you know, like, uh, you know, Chris went to the Switch to play thing at the beginning and it's like, there is, there is more to life that, than that, unfortunately. And we don't, we're not getting paid to, you know, smash up our bodies every weekend. Mm. You know, we do it because we love it. So um, I think 10 years, it's probably still, I think doing something to keep keep uh, people, um, young, young women like me going to rugby and, you know, but I'll always be there by the side, having a pint, you know. <laughs> Because <laughs> we love and you know supporting the supporting you know Chris and Sadi and yeah, but I'll keep going for as long as I can. But um, you know, when we get there, we'll see. We'll see. Lemis, what do you want to do in ten years? Sorry, I uh, didn't ask you. I want to know. <laughs> I mean, I'll be um, how old am I? Twenty nine. I'll be thirty nine. <laughs> 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 um, I want to I'll definitely still be involved in rugby in some capacity um yeah either like coaching or training or mentoring um I really like the idea of mentoring children to get involved in rugby that sounds up my street because if I'm honest um I'm probably not going to be a great coach because <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to be there to be fair <laughs> You need, to know the rules. you need to know the rules <laughs> yeah. if you're a coach yeah. as well. You, you don't, don't want to sacrifice those not winter nights, you know, <laughs> shouting at the girls, telling them to run faster. Because <laughs> no. I'll be saying, should we just call it? Yeah. I think we've all done a great job. 
Let's go to the pub. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. You guys have been so like insightful and just amazing. I just think it's really incredible that you all have each other. And I love how much you love each other and you love rugby. And even though sometimes life might seem a bit daunting and a bit tough and a bit hard, you're so fortunate to have each other. And I'm so grateful that I was able to speak to each and every one of you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our Instagram at Black Girls Rock and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.